So you're rocking the boardroom and your professional life is rocking. But your personal life is tore up from the floor up. Well, let's talk about it. You've tuned in to When Your Mind Becomes the Scene of the Crime podcast. I'm Dr. Linda F. Williams. I take survivors of abuse and trauma from pain to purpose so that you take back your power, tap into the truth of who you are, and live your best life now. So let me set this up. In this episode called Frazier's Edge, Frazier is given the Lifetime Achievement Award, which throws him into a complete psychological crisis. It started with him nitpicking the card that his former mentor sent him with flowers. Instead of what he thought it should say, it said, you must be very proud. He's thinking that's a way for his mentor to avoid saying that the mentor is proud of him. It all turns out that the card was written by a secretary and his mentor didn't have anything to do with exactly what was written on the card. Well, this is a major episode. I had done an episode earlier on a Frasier situation, but this one stands alone as well. So, Now that he's been thrown into this crisis, he's supposed to be going his behind over to the banquet to accept the award. And instead, he's over at this psychiatrist's office there on some university campus nitpicking with him about this card. Now we're picking up after Frazier has left. He's getting an understanding that, no, I didn't write the card. I am very proud of you, his mentor tells him. And he leaves the office. Let's pick it up from there. Frazier? What the hell is wrong with me? (laughs) Yes, dear, I, I know we have reservations, but one of my former students is having a minor crisis. I'll be there in half an hour. What does it all mean? (laughs) Make it an hour. I know I should be happy, but I feel so dissatisfied. Well, Fraser, it's no accident that you're going through this on the day that you receive your Lifetime Achievement Award. Well, duh. I'm sorry, I'm I'm just acting out. Please, please. Continue, please, please. As you know, men in our society commonly define themselves by their careers. Yes, I'll come to that, yeah. In fact, there's nothing I'm more proud of than my career. It's because I I love to help people. I always have. All right, the psychiatrist is getting ready to call him on this. Note that he's always put a lot of pride into his profession. This is a primary example of how so many of us traumatized people have been successful in our jobs or our careers. We've had major accomplishments. We might shine in the boardroom while our entire personal life is crumbling beneath our feet. Now, there are ways to do things. You can do things, one, number one, because, as he said, he's always wanted to help people. We're going to find out in a minute why he truly did that. What I want you to pick up up out of this next clip is that 
You can do the right thing for the wrong reason. And it's our motivations that can drive our accomplishments. But that, as we'll find out down the line, can be a downfall. All right, refresh my memory. Wasn't it your mother who first sparked your interest in psychiatry? Yes, it was. I remember the exact day I was eight. And I'd come home crying because one of the older boys had thrown my copy of The Fountainhead under a bus. My mother explained to me it wasn't because he didn't like the way I walked or because I wore an ascot to school. Because he didn't like himself. And at that very moment, I became a student of human behavior. It was as if someone had given me an instruction manual explaining why people acted the way they did. Not to mention a way to distance yourself from painful emotions. Oh, totally. I took a lot of grief for that ascot. <laughs> so, uh, you were drawn to psychiatry not because you like to help people, but because you feared them. I feared them. Psychiatry gives you objectivity. Objectivity gives you emotional distance. Distance makes you feel safe. Yes, yes, granted. But what has that got to do with me? How's your practice? Hmm? I don't have a practice. I have a radio show. Distance. Any children? Yes, I have a wonderful son with whom I'm very close. You live with him? He lives in Boston. <laughs> distance. With your wife? My ex-wife. Yes, I know. Distance. Wasn't she a psychiatrist? Yes, she was. She happened to be a damn good one, too. Well, that's a handy choice for someone who'd rather share ideas than emotions. Have you ever met Lilith? <laughs> no. Well, she happens to be a, a very warm and loving woman. Have you had any other meaningful relationships since then? As a matter of fact, I, well, what is your point? My point is that at the age of eight, at eight, you began to use psychiatry as a way to deal with a world that scared you to death. And this Lifetime Achievement Award has made you realize that your career is finite. And once it's gone, all you'll have left is that frightened eight-year-old boy. There it is. Frazier has used psychology to distance himself from the pain of being bullied as a child. He was traumatized as a child, and because his mother was a psychiatrist, she explained to him that it wasn't him, it was that boy. Now, in that moment, what he described was, I've talked about it before, a defining moment in his life, a moment in his life where it had caused him to make decisions, turning points, I call them. Now, the problem with this is not that, okay, in spite of himself, he has helped many people. The problem with this is apparently what he's done is he put his entire self-worth, his entire self-esteem into the job that he does. We can see from that why this is a crisis for him. Because if I'm getting a Lifetime Achievement Award, in his mind, that means that only what he's accomplished up to that point is of importance. And 
Because he's got this thing in his head where, from being bullied, he thinks he's less than the job that he's doing, that he feels like that it's almost like an imposter syndrome dynamic. He feels like, really, is this all there is? See, when we put our entire self-worth into a job, a thing, whatever it is that we do, and we're drawing our self-esteem and self-worth from this external thing, it's external, we are not dealing with the internal dynamics that are driving us to do that thing. And once we achieve whatever we build in our heads up, okay, if I can just make this, if I can do this, if I can get to this milestone, if I can achieve this award, if I can achieve this accolade, this recognition, then I will have made it. But the problem is you achieve those things and you wind up feeling empty. Those external achievements have done nothing because you're still that same, in this case, eight-year-old bullied little boy. Now, if you go back to something else that I did on this subject, one of the other videos, I said we don't get to skip those developmental levels. So what we have here is he's getting this Lifetime Achievement Award for doing what he thought was helping people, but what did nothing more than put a big brick wall between him and emotions, him and healing, him and growing developmentally past the, the traumatized eight-year-old boy. On some level, he is still that traumatized eight-year-old boy. Well, you like to hear my theory? You have no idea what you're talking about. I am not an eight-year-old. And you know something else? You're not my mentor anymore. Straight up classic denial. I've experienced it. I know you've experienced it. Where someone hits a truth and we fly off the handle. It's the human condition. I just want you to know. Whenever somebody says something to us and we immediately get offended, we need to examine ourselves because we've been traumatized and the way we see the world has been distorted, morphed, so that other people see us clearer than we see ourselves. We don't want to keep living our lives like that where other people see us clearer than we see ourselves. And so that's why you have to have a truthful trust in others. This psychiatrist is tantamount to a truthful, trusted individual in Fraser's life. So he knows he can trust what that man is saying. But even being the major psychiatrist, he is not immune to this classic, that denial tactic, this defense mechanism where we just get pissed off and off we go flying. Either with me, it used to be cussing somebody out and then not talking to them for months or whatever your thing is. We have to be careful because whenever we have that response and the, the information we're hearing that's kind of ticking us off, which I call this a trigger, is coming from someone we trust, we can't just leave it at the trigger response. 
the defense mechanism, the classic denial. Okay, you're going to have that. Unless you're so emotionally intelligent that you know how to stop that at the door. And I do have videos out there for that. Uh, but just know that even if you go there, the trigger response, the classic denial, then you need to go calm down and then come back and let's talk about this. And when you come back and talk about it, that's one of those shut up, suck it up and listen up moments where you are talking to a truthful, trusted other. And you need to keep your emotions in ch check as you receive that feedback. You don't get to explain yourself. You need to just hear the feedback. All right, Professor, you know, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but I'm afraid you've lost your touch. Where's your DSM? Uh, there. Emotionally stunted eight-year-old, my eye. Ah, here's what I'm going through. Phase of life issue. A problem associated with a particular developmental phase or other life circumstance. Please, a midlife crisis. It's obvious, really. You know, I'm surprised it didn't occur to me sooner. If someone had called my show with this problem, I'd have diagnosed it inside a minute. And then what would you have done? That depends on the caller. All right. The caller is you. Fine. On line one, we have Frazier Crane from Seattle. Hello, Dr. Crane. I love your show. I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I won't bore you with all the details of my life because you know them. Suffice to say... I'm a successful psychiatrist. My problem is that, in spite of the life I've built, I feel empty. Ah, emptiness. Eternal void. If I'm not mistaken, it was John Keats who once wrote... Stalling. Deal with the feelings. All right, fair enough. Perhaps, caller, if we reframe the issue, we can... Redefining the problem. Deal with the feelings. Uh, let's run down the Beck Depression inventory. Rediagnosing. You know what the problem is. The caller feels empty. Go on. Okay. Last month in the New England Journal... He's already read it. How do you know? The caller is Fraser Crane. If you did, he did. I can suggest certain visualization techniques. He knows them already. Look, if he knows all this, then why is he calling? He told you. Because he's empty. Keep going. Well, uh, sometimes it helps to, to write yourself a letter. He's already got himself on the phone. But I don't know what he wants. Then why do you keep trying to bury him in psychiatric exercises? Because that's all I have. I'm sorry, caller. I can't help you. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just observed the best 
example of intellectualizing this side of the moon. And I should know because that's my go-to defense mechanism. He wanted to, again, he's, he's, he's hearkening back to his intellect, what he knows about his profession. And I just love the way his mentor kept hitting at him. Hitting at him. Nope, not getting away with that. Nope, not getting away with that. Nope, not getting away with that. And that's what our truthful, trusted others should always do for us. Whenever, nope, we're not even going to let you go down that pathway. You're not going down that road today. Turn around. Deal with the feelings. What do you have to keep telling them? Deal with the feelings. Deal with the feelings. And Frazier didn't want to deal with that. He was so inept at dealing with his feelings that he had to tell himself, I can't help you. Which brings me to my next point. The best thing we can do is to get help. See, as long as Frazier's in his head trying to deal with all of his psychoses, and I'm telling you, he and his brother are the most psychotic psychiatrists ever seen in the whole entire world. Instead of dealing with his psychosis, he has never gone beyond his defense mechanisms to address the inner dynamics. He'll do that for everybody in the sun on his radio station. He'll do that when he was in private practice on his show. He'd do that for everybody under the sun. But when it came down to addressing those dynamics in himself, that brother was incapable. That's why he had to tell himself, I can't help you. Now what he needs to do is to get in some regular uh, sessions with his mentor, who is a psychiatrist, so that they can work through those feelings and bring him to a place where he can allow himself to feel love and emotion and fear and, 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 and learn how to work through that fear. To learn to embrace the positive emotions so that eventually he can receive the love he keeps rejecting over and over again. I'm going to put a link here to another video I did on one of Fraser's episodes where he, he was having to deal with why he kept self-sabotaging all his relationships. It's a powerful one. You've got to watch that video. I'll make sure to put it here. So... That's enough said about Frazier. I just think that this show was so well written and whoever consulted on this show from a psychological standpoint was a major influence on the power of the scripts that were written. They are so spot on from a psychological standpoint. That book that Frazier asked for when he came busting back in, where's your DSM? That's the diagnostic manual for psychologists and psychiatrists. And we use that in order to go through, to have an objective rubric to use in trying to diagnose people with different conditions. And that's what he was asking for. But you know what his first thing he went to was something as simple as a midlife crisis. You cannot be serious here. I just love the way his truthful, trusted other just kept hitting him. Nope. Try again. Bam. Nope. Try again. Bam. Nope. Try again. I mean, he wouldn't even let him go down that road. So that's the kind of truthful trust in others we all need in our lives. Anyway, I'm offering everybody a complimentary breakthrough session. If you're seeing yourself in this video in any way, if anything's striking a chord with you, 
Why don't we get on phone for a 30 minute breakthrough session so we can determine what are you looking for? Where are you right now? And whether or not you and I are a good fit for working through that. I'm Dr. Linda F. Williams. And always remember, your greatest power is realizing the truth of who you are. Know that truth. Thank you for joining me today on When Your Mind Becomes the Scene of the Crime Podcast. Schedule your free breakthrough session now at lindafwilliams.com. That's lindafwilliams.com.